Good morning, Grinders. Hey, it's the DFS pregame show with me, Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, aka Blender HD, aka if you played if you played good players yesterday, uh, you you weren't on the top of, you weren't on the top of contest yesterday. You played anyone with a pulse, uh, probably didn't do well. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess some, some of the players. I, 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 it was an underperforming slate for, 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 some, for, some, for some people. But uh, as usual, if you're going to do well in contests, I hope you do just one slot worse than me because we're competing against one another. So why not? Why should I wish you luck and not me luck? That's the way it goes. And we got the, the YouTube chat going on, as, as we always do every morning, weekdays, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the DFS pregame show. We go over yesterday's slate. We take a preview at today's slate, focusing on GPP strategy, cash games, plug in whoever you want. I mean, play, play the play the median guys, play the top optimal lineup, do whatever you want in the cash games, and then uh, and then the best thing to do is you always learn from the good players what they did yesterday, uh, how you could use those types of strategies uh, moving forward. So this is what I do. This is what I typically do in the morning anyway. And I would suggest you do the same thing on Results TV on, on Roto Grinders, which is free. You don't even have to pay for it. So if you have any uh, strategy questions, any overall strategy, today's strategy, yesterday's strategy, any type of strategy, feel free to post, post it in the YouTube chat. And as always, hit that hit that thumbs up button. And like I said yesterday, if you didn't tune in yesterday, no more coffee. There's no more coffee. I got, I got apple juice. Apparently someone yesterday told me that apple juice isn't healthy either, but at least it's healthier than coffee, right? Okay. So I guess I, too much sugar. Is there too much sugar in here? It, 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 look what, look, apple juice. Let's see. What's an apple juice. It contains pure filtered water, concentrated apple juice and vitamin C. How is that not healthy? That's all it says. Exorbic acid. Is, is that, is that bad vitamin C? I take a look at this. It has total sugars, 32 grams. I guess that's, is that too much? I don't know. It's better than coffee, right? So if you want to keep my, my apple juice cold, you hit the thumbs up button. Or the, if you, hey, if you want me to go back to coffee, maybe hit the thumbs down button. But if it, more coffee I drink, maybe I'd be dead next week. So, so maybe I don't go back to coffee. But uh, I, 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 seem, I seem to be, there's some pep in my step, I guess, right? Even though I haven't had caffeine in, I don't know, a week or so. I think that's fine. So, so hit that thumbs up button. And we got the YouTube chat going on. Uh, Tony Tischauser's here. Robert Gall, what's up to you? Mike Campbell, uh, apple juice and bananas for Ed Dowden. Let's get it. Okay, great. This will be the healthy morning show now, right? We got our carrot sticks, right? I got some carrot sticks, some broccoli stuff. Yeah, I still got the little ranch dressing cup. So, I mean, it's not completely healthy. But in comparison to what I ate before, this is like, it's like light years ahead of anything, Okay. So, so don't don't comply. Maybe you shouldn't be eating bananas, right? It's I didn't used to eat fruit at all. So the, the, I don't know why we're turning this into what my, the, the show about my health, but that's the reason because pe- people are people are messaging me going, "What's up with you not drinking coffee anymore?" Like they're not going to tune in, right? Can't hit the thumbs up button. No more coffee, right? Devin's drinking the coffee for me, right? His black coffee that tastes like crap, right? Because I want the milk and the sugar in there, and then you put the coffee. Okay. So let's see. Uh, in the YouTube chat, we got Stephen Smith, Casey Willison. Hello, let's win some money today. Let's you. We I want to win some money. Whether or not you win or not is I don't, doesn't really matter to me. If I don't win money, and maybe you win money, that would be fine with me. I don't mind. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, Seth A is here. Everyone's here. We're all here to go over yesterday's slate, where if you played anyone good, you lost. <laughs> kind of, I guess, right? If you played Luca, 36% owned across contests. I brought up uh, here on Results DB, I got uh, the 555, the, the $10 big jam, and the $1 and one. Uh, and uh, and pretty much if you played Luca, he underperformed. Uh, Trey Young, I mean, the Hawks just got blown out, right? Vooch did okay. Okay, Vooch, Vooch, Vooch is fine at 51, right? Jonas Valanciunas was 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 much higher on than I thought he was going to be. But, I mean, he didn't really get there. 38 points. Larry Nance, he did fine. 43 for 40, 40% across contest. Kevin Porter, I guess okay. Dylan Brooks didn't really. I mean, kind of what happened with the Grizzlies is that they, they destroyed the Hawks so much that it, like, if you play the bench guys off the Grizzlies, I mean, the winner of the uh, the Big Jam had a, had a sub-1% owned Josh Jackson uh, because it's all, just all the garbage time. So, I mean, if, if you did something like that, right? DeMar DeRozan, he, he was a dud, right? 27.5 points. John Morant, I mean, obviously didn't get there, right? I know some people played like Drew Eubanks. He ended up playing, what, 14 minutes, even though he started, right? That's Popovich. You can't trust him. Then we got Kleber. Kleber did fine, uh, you know, with Porzingis out. And then we got the news late yesterday that uh, Levine was out. So that uh, boosted uh, Denzel Valentine into the starting lineup. Shaq Harrison in the starting lineup. Harrison didn't really do much, right? 11.5 points. But Valentine got, I guess, 27.5 is fine. Fine for him. Kobe White, he did fine, right? CJ McCollum, 58 points for, for like 9K. That wasn't that bad, right? Giannis didn't put up a, I mean, Giannis only had 40 points. Not many high scores yesterday. Sexton, Sexton did well. Uh, I, I think he was a little under-owned, given that situation. So looking down here, looking through all of this stuff, uh, I mean, the main points that you could see right here, I mean, you could obviously tell by Denzel Valentine that the difference between the higher stakes players and the lower stakes players is the, I, I bring this up every 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 morning pretty much. Late news, lower stakes players just don't take advantage of it enough, right? The less sharp, I guess you want to call it. The less sharp, lower stakes, whatever. Because in the end one, he was 13%. But in the 555, he was over a third owned, right? In the big jam, he's like almost 21% owned, right? We can even take a look at, even when it comes to like, like the Cavaliers, like Larry Nance, the difference in ownership. Like, I mean, he was he was kind of a staple in lineups. Lance and Valanciunas, and then uh, the N1, not so much. I mean, you even take a look at Luca. I mean, the reason why Luca was higher owned in the higher stakes is that if you're filling in these value plays, you you have the opportunity to obviously pay up at point guard, right? That's what that's what I said yesterday on the show, that paying up at point guard was, was going to be the thing to do. And especially the more and more value that comes out. Porzingis is out, so now you can play Cleaver, right? Levine is out, now you can play Valentine, right? Or White or something like that. Kevin Porter in the starting lineup, right? Gives you all the money in the world to pay up for Luka. So obviously, if you're not taking advantage of late news and you didn't plug in some of these later in the day value plays, you didn't have the money to pay for Luka. So that's why the lower ownership on Luka in the lower stakes. Because every one thing affects one another, right? So you always have to take that into account when you're building your lineups. So like, oh, this guy's going to be popular. Well, how much is he? And what slot does he fill in the lineup? You can do this on FanDuel. It's not just DraftKings. FanDuel's even easier to figure it out, right? You see, oh, there's a oh some point guard. You know, someone's you know it's, it's, it ends up uh, you know John Morant's out and Tyus Jones is 
minimum price. And you're like, okay, people are paying down a point guard. That means people have to be paying up elsewhere. And how does it affect the whole construction of lineups in general? And then for GPP, how do you kind of go off the beaten path of that type of construction? So that's why guys like Trey Young were higher owned than, orig- than original in the, you know, the seven hours before a slate. They weren't projected to be as high owned as they ended up being because uh, because because you have the money with the value plays. That's why I mean the popular construction was to play uh, Vooch and Joe Val together, right? Play Nance in the power forward spot, play Luke in the point guard spot, and then kind of fill it out from there. Then you got the Valentines, the Klebers, the Rosens. You know, however you however you filled that out. I mean, maybe Rudy Gay who didn't get there. Right, I mean, eighteen points. I guess for four thousand, yeah, that that's not getting there. Uh, a lot of people played Shaq Harrison because he was cheap, so like that was the construction. So that that's the chalk construction. So how do you get off the chalk construction? That's why we're going to take a look at how some some of the top players, some of the players in general, uh, playing in the in the big jam with one hundred and fifty lineups went about finding their leverage, finding the different construction types while still playing a lot of the chalk. Out of, out of all the sports, NBA, is you're more likely to play the chalk than anything else because NBA is not event-based, right? It's not Someone can't just play four minutes and score 50 fantasy points. In baseball, you know, someone can just get one at bat and hit a grand slam, and they're good, right? NFL, one play, 90 yards. I mean, it could happen. I mean, it's it's not as likely, but it can happen. And basketball just doesn't happen. So when when prices are inefficient, right? This guy's out. This guy's going to play. The minutes and usage, like they have to go somewhere. They're going to be going up and down the court no matter what. So so in NBA, you're more likely to play the truck. It's just a matter of not playing it all in the same line, right? You still have to get leverage. So I see a lot of people in the in the premium Discord. I was in last night uh, having having some strategy discussions. If you want to join the Discord, you got to be a premium member. It's $40 a month. Rotogrinders.com slash premium at $39.95. But I mean, the, the difference of a nickel, is that going to change your mind? No, it's 40 bucks a month. So join me in there, right? You get access to all. I mean, the results DB you get anyway, but uh, you get the lineup HQ, you get all the premium content, baseball's coming up. So you get all that too. It, it counts for, for everything, all the core sports all the major sports, you get it all. You get all the tools, all, all the content, all the all the chat, all the channels that we have in Discord. We have plenty of active members, right? And the chat's going all the time. They're, t- they're typically arguing with one another over, you know, play this guy or play, don't play that guy or you're stupid. I mean, whatever. It's a typical chat room that you see online. But, um, but most of the people in the chat are actually pretty successful. So, so join us there. So looking back in the YouTube chat, uh, let's see. Mike Campbell says to just drink soda if you need caffeine, but soda's not good for you either, right? Soda's not caffeinated beverages. I shouldn't be drinking those, right? I think people are trying to kill me. Okay, let's see. Uh, da-da-da-da-da-da. Hit the like button if you want Blender to live longer. Okay, Robert Call just gets right to the point. Just right, hey, if you want to increase, if you want to see this show with me going on further, make sure I'm alive, hit the, hit the thumbs up button. We're just getting extreme now, right? Okay. What was Shaq Harrison's ownership last night? Well, according across uh, in the big jam, he was 12.45%. So not like, not, 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 not like high, high owned. Valentine was higher owned 20, 20.9%. Not as high as like Kevin Porter. Kobe White was higher owned than all of them. 
at 31%. So, but I mean, they, they, they all were fine. It's just a matter of, you know, what, what, what you thought the rotation was going to be in the usage. Cause with Levine gone, obviously he's the highest usage guy on the whole team. Right. So even, even though Valentine started and white was on the bench, didn't mean that white wasn't going to close abs and still play 30, 34 minutes. So I can understand why white was more owned than Valentine or Harris. Right. I, I think it was fine to play any of them. Right. It's just that we're, we're, we're in uncharted waters pretty much with Levine out in that type of lineup. Cause you also had Otto Porter back. Right. So he's coming off the bench. So you don't know. So if you took a shot with someone, uh, I, I don't, I don't blame you. Right. If you faded them all, I don't blame you. Right. Cause you the, the production just go, could go anywhere. Right. And no one gets there, but I mean, they were cheap enough that I, 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 I how do you, how do you not, how do you not play some of them? Okay. Ed Dowden says, best thing about DFS, my mind erases the pain from last night. When I sleep, new day equals a new 100K possibility. Okay, as long as you stay, as long as you're, as long as you have the bankroll to survive that, that, that's right. That's all that matters. Uh, Shake Milton is going to win you 100K tonight. Is Shake Milton going to be popular? Isn't everyone out for the Sixers? We'll get to that. Don't worry about it. We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, Join us in Discord. Don't be a bump on the log. That's from Stephen Smith. Da, da, da. Every time I've been in Discord, it's people trying to sell cars or talk everything but basketball. Well, it depends on the time of day. It's a chat room like anything else. Jesus. Some people some people have nothing else to talk about. What's wrong with that? Ty Miller asks if there's any locks for tonight already. No, there's never a lock. No, no one's a lock. If you're asking that question, you're going to lose. So there you go. That, that, that's the answer. Okay, so take a look. Uh, Heebs 22 was the, was the winner of the Big Jam. Uh, last night so i pulled him up he was a 150 maxer and uh and then i pulled up some some other top finisher as well as some other you know 150 max type players and we could we could see across the board that like the chalk was the chalk i mean like you don't see many of the like the complete fades of like valentunas i know a hub bro because that center spot like vooch so he had vooch and joe val taking up a ton of the center ownership last night Okay, so some of these, some of these, some of these uh, players chose to either eat it or leverage off of it. So it's like someone like a Hubro went under on Joval. But if we take a look and go, well, then who did he play? Well, he played some Kevin Love, played some. Let's see, at center, I'm looking down to maybe some Maxi Kleber in the center slot, cheap at center, barely any Trey Lyles. Let's scroll down a little bit more. DeAnthony Melton a little, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, I guess he just played a lot of Vooch lineups. Randall, okay, a little bit of Randall. Kind of went, he kind of just spread it around a bunch, right? But still, going under on Joval. Going under on Joval. And, and, and I mean, like Hebes, Redcoat, Mazwa, these guys, kind of a little over, a little over. So that's not the place that they got leverage. Then you take a look at like someone like Dylan Brooks, who was pretty popular, 25%, right? Hebes, not much of him. Grape upon zero. But like, oh, uh, bro, because a hub bro was getting leverage by not playing as much of Joe Val. He was going to play more of Dylan Brooks, more of Kyle Anderson, more of DeAnthony Melton, right? To go off the direct, I mean, it's a teammate, so it's direct leverage off of Joe Val. You're not going to play Joe Val. I'm going to play another Grizzly that could benefit if Joe Val doesn't do well, right? You could do that, all right? You could just not play any Grizzlies at all, but I get the point there. And then we take a look at like Larry Nance. Larry Nance was 
pretty much. People didn't avoid Larry Nance, right? Kind of, you know, uh, Drummond out and um, Thompson out and like you got love, you got pretty much love Nance and, and Zizic. I mean, for the, all the front court minutes, I mean, I mean, who else is playing? So I, I understand, like, I understand why, why Nance was popular. Same thing for Kevin Porter. I get it. Most, most of these players use plenty of Kevin Porter. Even Kobe white. Now we see Hebes 22 didn't play that much of Kobe white. Right. Played a, see, look, played a lot more Mike Conley, similar price range, right? Kobe white, you know, high 4K, low 5K type of thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to play some more Mike Conley. Play a lot more Colin Sexton, right? If we take a look at Colin Sexton, he was 10% owned, but here we go, 52% for Hebes. Ray Fofan had 80% Colin Sexton. So finding a way to get leverage by playing more Sexton, playing Sexton and Nance together, because that's what it looks like here, right? 81% Nance. 52% sex. Take a look here. How did people handle McCollum? Redcoat went over. Hebes went over. And then we got like Maswa that barely played any. Great Papon didn't play any. Giant Squid barely played any. But then we take a look at Kevin Love and go, okay. Great Papon and Giant Squid found a way to go, okay. People are playing Nance. People play, you know, what other Cavaliers could benefit? Let's compare the Porter ownership. So we got Porter, Love. Okay, fairly even. Love, 70% here. Porter, 54% there. We got Porter, 41% here. Love, 25%. Giant Squid, 57% Love. And a little under, a little under on Kevin Porter. But I mean, the the, the Cavaliers with a shorter rotation and uh, and the usage to go around, I, I understand why, why people play. You could have played. I, I wouldn't have avoided playing two of them together, right? Nance, Love, Porter, Sexton. I don't think I – three, maybe not. Two, definitely, when they're playing, when they're playing essentially an eight-man rotation. Then we had – oh, we had the, the Spurs, Spurs stuff, right? Right, DeMar DeRozan. Great Papon took a big position with DeRozan. Heaves took a big look. 46% DeRozan. He still won the GPP, right? It's 71% Lyles, though. So that's, there you go. Lyles putting up 35 points in, in that spot, especially with people playing Eubanks, right? Eubanks wasn't that old, right? Because that was kind of a late starter announcement. So Eubanks was 7% owned, but still, we got people that jumped on it, right? Even 38% from Maswell over here. I mean, he only put up seven and a half points. But there you go, taking advantage of that. But some people didn't, right? There's no, there's no right or wrong way. Just how do they get different with constructions? Like we take here with like Rudy Gobert. Here, here we go. Here's center leverage. Here, here's Shetty Osman here. So 60% Osman for Grey Poupon is right off of all the other Celtics, uh, all the other Cavaliers, right? Nance, Porter, Love, Sexton. It's like, oh, well, why not? Why couldn't Osman be the one? especially at a small forward position that may have been difficult to fill, right? You can see here, Grape upon at 0% Brooks, right? In the shooting guard spot, 23% Valentine. I'm looking for small forwards. So he had Porter here. What are the small forwards that Grape upon have? DeMar DeRozan. So a ton of DeMar DeRozan. So he filled up small forward there, mostly. 
and then played a whole bunch of Osman in the small forward or power forward spot. Okay. Uh, it's not something I would have done, but I, I get it. I get it. I mean, that's all you have to do is look through this and go, do you get it? And if you're going through going like, who are the best plays? How do I just jam in the best plays and then hope I bank a hundred K you're not, you just you don't have enough leverage. You need to find it. All right. How, how, where are you getting leverage? Uh, people are playing value plays like, but they're not, they're not playing enough Harden. Right. So you have someone like Maswa, Gray Poupon, giant squid. They're going like two or three times the field on Harden in a guard spot. Probably if you take a look at Luca there, you know, they're, they've a fairly even position on Luca, as opposed to going overweight, like someone like Redcoat just went a little overweight. Look, Redcoat played a lot of, you know, White, Luca, Valentine, McCollum, Conley. He had 24% Eubanks that didn't do anything. Jeff Teague at 16%, Aaron Holiday, like that. But if we take a look at like Hebes 22, remember, you put in 150 lineups. The winning lineup had Josh Jackson in it. Where the hell is Josh Jackson? Can we find? Okay, here we go. Josh Jackson was 0.69% owned. 37.75 points. There you go. That's it. Now, none of these other none of these other players had him. But in uh, what? Like four lineups? Something like that. I mean, a little bit more than that. Six lineups or so? Josh Jackson. Done. That just happened to, happened to hit the combo, right? If we take a look at the entries right over here. The winning lineup, Sexton, McCollum, Jackson, Nance, Boots, Butler, Kleber, Lyles. Does this look like, like, look, I mean, take a look at this. People are trying to get so cute in GPPs. Does, does this look unreasonable yesterday? If you talk, if you, outside of Josh Jackson's sub 1% owned, the 1% owned at 4,400, which could have been, you could have played other people in that spot, right? So outside of Josh Jackson, does this lineup look like, super contrarian i mean for the status of the slate not ha- not playing luca not playing trey young you know not having a high price guard i mean playing cj mccollum so that you got that there but not playing any going up more balanced i mean take a look this is a much more balanced build especially on a slate that people are more likely to play stars and scrubs with the value opening up so playing a trey lyles maxi cleaver Colin Sexton, Nance, but I mean, this is not an unreasonable lineup. And and it contained a sub 1% owned guy that put up uh, 9X and everyone else hit. So he wins. End of story. I mean, that's what I mean. You take a look, even Redcoat coming in third. Outside of Boyan, who obviously, you know, broke the slate if you had him, right? 2% owned, putting up 48.75. But outside of Boyan, is this an unreasonable? Is this a holy? How did they come to these guys? No, he played a look. Vooch and Be- Joe Valor in the lineup. Denzel Valentine is in the lineup. Nance is in the lineup. McCollum is in the lineup. When we're not talking about like off the board type of whoa, holy, who knows how they came up with that lineup type of place? It contains one. It takes one major, obviously overperforming leverage piece. But if we take a look at like it's the fifth lineup. I mean, now a little bit more contrarian. You got Brogdon in there at 6%. Got Terrence Ross at 9%. But still, look at the Nance, Booch, Valentine, White. I mean, like, we got tons of chalk here. 
tons of chalk. I'm just going over this because in the Discord, people are talking about, well, I can't play these. They're showing me lineups that have like, they're showing me lineups that have like, like six of these types of guys. Like I'm going to play six, eight or 9% owned guys. And then like one chalk piece. It's like, no, you don't have to be that. I mean, I know it's a big GPP, the hundred K to first big jam or whatever, the main GPP on DraftKings. You don't have to go nuts. You have to get enough leverage, but not to the, not to stupid levels. Tip the chalk hits an NBA more than any other sport. Now it's some, some days this piece hits and that doesn't. And I mean, you can't predict that in general, but over the long run, if you play every slate, I mean, a guy that's under Larry Nance at 5,200 in that spot is, is, is going to, is going to hit more than more times than not. So it's why not play him? If you're, if you're already getting different elsewhere, like there's no reason not to play. Him. Like once you pl- once you put Terrence Ross and Malcolm Brogdon in your lineup, in this lineup, you just jam in the chalk. You don't need anything else. That's fine. You're good. You're done. Right. Let's say, let's take a look at well, this is a one lineup. He's a single bullet. Willie K two seventy two. Right now, this is a contrarian line. Okay. This, this, now we have Boyan at 2%, Daniel house at 2%, bam, at 3%. Right. Uh, love 14%. So his highest on, it's still at Nance. So Nance was chalk. This is a little bit, this is way more off the board, but if you see, it was off the board hit some places and still only came in second, right? Heaps 22 had more chalk in the lineup and won. Of course he had one, you know, the, the Josh Jackson piece, but like you need, you, you need to, these are the types of lineups that win when a lot of the chalk fails. Okay. You can play these types of lineups. I'm, I'm, I have nothing wrong with playing multiple sub 5% own guys. I, I, I have no problem with that. Just understand that, that the situation in which this lineup wins is not just based on did your players do well at low ownership it's did the chalk who are who were inefficiently priced to begin with did they fail right did they not come through i mean luca did not come through right those types of players did not come through so just understand what you're doing when you're building lineups and that's why i focus i said it yesterday you're focusing on lineups not players because I'm I'm looking at this 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 lineup going kind of over leveraged. I don't know, like you could have played like Bam could have been Vooch, and it would have been a better lineup, right? Could he have just played? Let's take a look at Heaps, eighty four hundred. So he needed three hundred. If he would have played Bam, yeah. If he would have played like what's Valentine? Where where's Valentine? Show me Valentine. Three thousand. Right. Look at this lineup. If he would have paid up from Bam to Vooch, okay? Bam to Vooch would have been what? An extra seven points? And then paid down from House to Valentine. And Valentine is what? Got 27 and a half, okay? So that's a minus four and a half. So you could gain another, he would have gained about, about four points, okay? Take a look at the standings. If he would have played, instead of playing 2% owned house and 3% owned BAM, if he would have played Chalk Vooch and Chalk Valentine in a lineup that already had Bojan in it and Love and all these guys, he would have won. He would have won playing the Chalk, right? Don't play these two guys, 
right? House and Adebayo. Because Vooch put up, you know, Vooch was 26% owned and he put up 51 points. Now, I mean, I, obviously I'm cherry picking because it's just this specific contest on this specific night. But you see, you didn't need, this leverage was unnecessary. Once you already had this in, of course, I'm saying this after the fact, you can't predict. Well, what happens if Bam put up a 70-point game? You're right, he would have won. You're right, of course, I get it. I just want to highlight that although I always talk about finding leverage, finding different constructions, especially in large field GPP, that you got to get different somewhere, that there is a point where getting you don't have to get to the point of stupidity, right? Other sports, when baseball starts up, well, we could talk about 2% on stacks all we want. Baseball is an event-driven sport, completely different. NBA, where if, they, if they're high-owned, they're high-owned for a reason because they're, they're more likely going to do well than anything else because of minutes and usage, and that's how basketball works. I don't think you need to go so ridiculously off the board. Every lineup, like once you put in, like once you put in Boyan at 2% and once you put in like Sexton at 10%, I guess, like you're done. Like, like how much how much leverage do you need? Like do you need, how much, how much more do you need? You can play Love at 14, but I mean, once you, once you put these guys in a lineup, you, you're good, right? Then just play the chalk, just jam in the, jam in the whatever. Go into lineup HQ and say, who are the best options for these spots? And then there you go, you're done. You can do that for single entry, right? You know, if you're a single entry, you're like a three max player and you're hand building lineups, you can still go into lineup HQ and do that type, do that type of thing. You go, okay, where am I going to get my leverage, right? You can even use it with the lineup preview. Right, we even have a sidebar thing over here. Right, you just do one lineup. So let's say, let's say on today's slate, I'm just using it as an example that you're going to pivot off of like Roji. Like you're not, you're going to find some some guard. Let's take a look at the high price players. Let's take a look at high price players. So we don't have ownership up, <laughs> but based on these projections, uh, maybe Anthony Dave, maybe Anthony Davis goes a little under owned. Maybe so you lock in Davis. You go, okay, I'm gonna get leverage there. Uh I'm gonna see, let's see, who maybe like lower, lower-ish owned. Uh that has a decent, decent. Maybe Drew Holiday, maybe because off of Brandon Ingram. Okay, so you do that. Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram. You just do that. It's like, okay, got my leverage, and then I optimize. And I go, okay, how's this lineup look? I probably don't play McDaniels or whatever, or Caleb Martin, I probably don't I probably don't play this specific lineup, but I think you get the point. That once you find your leverage, feel free to just just play the chalk. You're fine. Okay. Feel free to post your, your questions in YouTube chat. Because I'm scrolling through. Scrolling through. So even if it's from a couple of minutes ago or whatever, I'll get to it. And if you want your question answered and you want to keep my uh my uh apple juice cold, you hit the the, the thumbs up button. Okay, just scrolling through YouTube chat a little. Bop it up, bop, bop, bop. There are locks, but it depends on if you're cash or GPP, and it depends on what your build looks like. Locks aren't the same for everyone, but locks aren't. In, I mean, take a look at our smash percentage that we have in lineup HQ premium. So these would change throughout the day because obviously it's what? It's 11.33 in the morning. Who knows what's going to happen? So, I mean, we talked about stuff yesterday that, well, this guy's out and that guy's in and this guy and then everything changes. Well, that's why you need to change the projections. So these are like the chances of hitting a GPP type of score, target score. Like 
30% is a high. A third of the time, that's a high percentage. So what's a lock? A lock, uh, uh, oh, Terry Rozier's a lock today. Well, he's, he's a 38% like, that's less than a coin flip. So Terry Rozier duds. Oh, oh, I can't believe the lock. Well, it was never a lock to begin with. You have to change your perspective of what a lock is. There's no such thing as a lock. A 95% occurrence. There's, there's nothing like that in anything DFS. So that's why I don't like the terms lock, because it implies something that is nearly 100%. Okay, Patty Mills was the only reason Ed Dowden made money last night. Yeah, it's, it's Popovich. You can take a chance on any of those Spurs guards any game, right? Is it a Patty Mills game? Is it a Derek White game? Is it a Bryn Forbes game? You never know. You never know. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, Blender, if the truck today is Rozier, then you play him and be different somewhere else. Yeah, that's correct. Or you choose not to play him and then play someone else and then don't worry about the rest of your lineup. If, if Terry Rozier is going to be extremely chalky and you go, well, I'm building a lineup without him. Well, look how much le- leverage you've gained by just simply not playing Terry Rozier. I would more likely probably play another Hornet, right? I'd probably play like Miles Bridges in that type of lineup. I play a lineup where if, when Rozier fails, someone else benefits. So that's a way to get like extra leverage, extra relative value into your lineups. Is one hour before lock enough time to build 50 plus lineups? Yeah, that's what, that's how, that's what I do. It's enough time for me. My, I, most of the time, nearly all the time for NBA, I do not even build my player pool until the 5.30 p.m. Eastern injury report. Now, obviously, on like weekends when it's a six o'clock slate, I'm talking for a normal weekday, 7 p.m. Eastern type of lock slate. So because that that's that's the last injury report before lock. So like, I, I don't know, the, the injury report comes out and this guy's out and like that changes all of my considerations, positional scarcity and everything. So I don't want to really make any decisions. That's why this is like a preliminary look. I'm looking now. I'm building, you know, I play, I like, let me build 300 lineups and see what optimals look like. Oh, okay. People probably pay up here. People are going to play that guy. Derek Favors looks interesting. Are they going to go in the mid-range for center? You know, you take a look at that type of stuff just to get a general sense. But all this changes by 5.30. You don't know. Giannis sits. uh, Ingram's done. You know, someone dies. Who knows? Who knows what happens? Who's sitting for load management? A lot of times you you can't even expect this stuff. So... To make decisions, hardcore decisions, like right now, just seems stupid, right? You don't know what starting lineups are going to be. It could be the type of thing, look uh, look yesterday the, with the Spurs. I mean, look the past couple of days. Is Pirtle starting? Is Eubank starting? Is Lyles going to play this starter? Is he coming off the bench? It's like all that stuff matters, and you may not get that information until a half an hour before lock. So, you know, deciding now, like you're just, you're pigeonholing yourself into, into decisions where if you had more information, you'd make better decisions. The more information you have, the better decisions you can make. So wait for it. So you'll, you'll be able to build, you can build 50, like you build 150 lineups and I've done it in, in 10 minutes before lock, right? You can do it. So you, you, you don't have to spend all day doing this. Andrew Tucker asked, what's the best approach on showdown lineups? Uh, I know that we don't really cover showdown on the show, but in general, your number one priority, if you're playing the large field GPPs and showdown, the large ones, is uh, not being duplicated. 
or being duplicated the least. That's a better way of putting it. Being different is more important than anything else. There's not to me, if you build your lineup in showdown and everyone and you, you open it up and everyone's 30% down, you screw it up. You die, you die. Doesn't matter anymore. You you done. Doesn't mean you can't win. It's just that you, your expected value is, is, is ridiculously negative. You're going to split 700 ways. So your EV on the, you're never going to win enough, right? When you win, you win $1,700 instead of 50,000. So play lineups that have less probability of winning, but more probability that when they win, you, you actually realize the value of first place to, to some degree, right? That's what you should be doing from a game theory perspective in showdown. Okay. The best advice he has given, don't play players and feelings you have. Play lineups. Certain chalk is great, but also depends on your entry size, max entries allowed, dollars. Yeah, everything depends on the contest that you're playing. You're playing if you're playing smaller field contests, the less leverage you need. Right? There's less less need to be different. You don't have to be if you only have to beat 800 other entries. You don't need a t- you don't need the ultimate nutsy type of score. Right? You could win with a lower score, which means you need you don't need as much leverage. Use as much leverage as you need for those contests. For for the large field GPPs, the larger they get, the more that you need. You're not going to win 120,000 entry contests by just jamming in the eight chalk plays. It's just not going to happen. If that lineup happened to be the winner, you'd be splitting 320 different ways. Okay, Sean A. says, players with the highest gap between their smash rate and projected ownership are the guys we want to be most overweight on, simply put. Well, maybe not overweight, how much how much exposure you have to players is more a matter of diversification and risk tolerance than it is like there being a right answer. But yes, I'm more likely. I know we don't have ownership up, but like if you sort by smash percentage, and I if I saw Terry Rozier was a 38% chance of smashing and he was going to be owned at 44%, that that's the type of player that, oh, his ownership is actually higher than his probability of hitting the ceiling. So I'd want to be. I, I, I'm, those are the places where I'm looking to have less of them. Not zero, but you could if you wanted to have zero. And then I would take a look towards the buy, maybe not towards, because typically the higher smash percentages are the, are the better plays. I mean, are going to be the higher on plays. I mean, it, it's very rare to see, see if, uh, uh, a guy in 35 plus percent smash percentage and being 2% owned. Like it, it, projections don't work that way. Any, anyone that's like that, people will notice. They're not going to go under the radar. So that's why you look down even further, like down in like the high 20s, low 30s. And you go, oh, okay. Well, let's say we like Danilo Gallinari has a 30% smash. If he ends up being 6% owned, that sounds like someone that you should be adding to your player pool. What lineups you put him in depends on everyone else that you're playing, right? But that's that's how I build. I don't I don't build by plugging in a player. I don't build by going, okay, I'm gonna take the Rosen and then I'm gonna take Alex Len. And then I don't build this way. I build full lineups at once. So I'm just going to add players. Like there's 161 in the pool now. I exclude everyone. <laughs> and then I add only the players that I want to play. So this all number, I may only, today's slate, I maybe I only play 24 players in my pool. Then based on those 24 players, what do the constructions look like? And I'm building them out at once. So like, oh, I'm using these four small forwards. I'm using these four centers, these price ranges, and then building those constructions like that. So I'm not just plugging one, then two, then three. I'm not doing that. 
So when you're not doing it that way, when you're not going one, then two, then three, then four, you don't have the bias of, well, I like the seven guys that are in my lineup. Oh, I need a guy that's that fits in my utility that's 4,800, and you don't care who it is. You should always care who you're putting in your lineup. So if you're building if you're building your lineups by just throwing eight players in all at once and letting a, a program do it, after you've already set settings, I mean, this is not like I'm not letting it choose who to play. I've already chosen but it's going to make the constructions that I want it to make. And it just shows me all at once. And I look at that and I go, oh, okay, I get that construction. And then maybe I look at another lineup that I've made that way and go, yeah, maybe I don't want these types of constructions. I have way too many of these types. When, way too many stars and scrubs, way too many cheap centers, way too many, you know, too cheap small forward type of things. And like, ah, I don't want to play two cheap small forwards together. And then that's when I go in and start adding groups and start, making sure the constructions are the ways that I want them. Steven Smith asks, so let's say I want to spend up for Beal at 10.4K. If you want to, is that a good, is there, is that a good idea? Is that a good idea? He projects really poorly, but if you want to, I guess you can, right? He'll be lower owned at that price. Uh, I want to run it back with the King, let's say Giles, but they're projected under 10%. Then should I play a chalky player? And yeah, if you're playing Bell, if you're playing Beal today, if you're playing Beal with a king, like like let, let, let's take a look at the kings. Where are the kings? Okay. So just even based on these projections, the kings don't even rate out all that great, right? De'Aaron Fox, but I mean that's not even healed. Based on our projections, the king the kings don't even rate out well. Wizards not aren't all that appealing either. Thomas Bryant maybe nah. Napier. So yeah, I, I would I would expect that game to be lower owned. But let's say you do play a lineup with Beal, and Beal now is small forward eligible, right? Makes him a little bit more valuable, right? Because he could fit into four slots, not just three, because he's eligible at the guard utility as well as the forward utility position on DraftKings. So let's say you wanted to play a Fox Beal lineup. Fox that Fox Beal combination is good. I can't see Beal be. I can't see Beal getting double-digit ownership today at all. I can't see. I I cannot see Beal getting ten over ten percent. I mean, I know we don't have projected ownership, but I can't based on a four point three x median. I can't possibly see him being. I mean, he he could be two percent owned today, right? And then Fox against the Wizards for eight k on DraftKings, he ten percent maybe something like that. I mean, he's not going to be all that owned. Once you combine those two players together, you got enough leverage. You're done. You're done. You plug in Beal, you put Beal, Fox, and then you plug, jam in the chalk. Don't worry about leverage anymore. You're done. You, you, you've you gotten plenty, right? You could feel free to, you could, doesn't mean you have to play the super, super chalk. Doesn't mean you have to play Rozier or something like that. He's going to be popular. Doesn't mean you're going to have to play uh, Aiton or Ingram or Lyles or something like that. But I mean, you can, you've gotten enough leverage. You're done. You're, you're done. You've done enough. You're, you're, you're playing a 2% owned 10K player that can put up 70 points in any game, right? And if he does, if Beal puts up 70 points at 2% ownership, it's not going to matter. You'd, you'd rather have the chalk that hits, right? Isn't that the worst feel in the world? Look at what we, 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 we looked before with uh, with Willie K272. He got cute playing house and out of bio. Yeah, he came in second. He got $40,000. I'm not like crying in my river, right? Oh, $40,000. Can't believe it, but he left uh, sixty thousand on the table. I'm not just playing Booch and Valentine and then being done with it, right? 
That's what I'm trying to tell you. So once you get enough, once you have leverage, that's why I start with the leverage. I don't start with the truck when I think in terms of lineup construction. I don't think in terms of, okay, what truck do I want to eat? I'm going to eat Rogier. I'm going to eat Aiton. I'm going to eat Lyles. I'm going to eat, and, and then, then, okay, now where do I get different? No, I start with where do I get different? And then it's like, once I'm different enough, then it's like, okay, then what, what truck guys fit into that line? I think, that, I think that's an easier way of approaching because then every, every time you make a construction, you're, you're being very cognizant of how much leverage you need and have in every lineup. And we're getting, we're getting some, uh, some news. Okay. Jason Tatum, unlikely to play today. Was that, was that expected? I don't think it was expected. See, this is, this is what people are going to watch this show three hours from now. And they, 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 you're not going to know. I mean, yesterday we were talking about, Oh, I can't play Porzingis at that price. Well, he didn't even play. Right. So Tatum is out. Cause so all these projections are going to change. Smart's going to play. Kemper Walker's going to play, but Tatum is out. Okay. So that's, but Walker's on a minutes limit. So the, do we, we can't play him. Right. Right. Walker's on a like 26. Yeah. There's no way you can 7.3 K can't play him. Right. Hayward seven point. Well, we've got to take Tatum out. Right. That's good. That's going to boost him up a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe not so much. Maybe the, maybe the Celtics, maybe the Celtics with now with that Kemba's back, even with Tatum out, is that going to change? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to take a look at it. I have no idea. Right. Right. Cause the anchor even said need to need that Ibaka news, FEV, smart Tatum, AD. Right. We don't, that's why people are asking, what are the locks today? I the locks. The only locks I know are it goes on bagels, right? Right. A nice bagel, cream cheese, locks. That's, that's what I want. That's what I want for breakfast people. Right. Maybe I should start. If, if you want me to have some bagels and locks, bagels, cream cheese, and locks, Hit that thumbs up button, right? Goes to get apple juice goes well with the bagel and locks, right? Uh, Anchor asks, can you go over high end single entry strategy for GPPs? It's the same. It's it, all GPP strategy is the same. Just a depend. It's all a matter of how much leverage do you need. If you're playing high stakes single entry, those are smaller field tournaments, so the amount of leverage you need is is minimal. You can play what essentially is a cash lineup with one pivot and win one of those. Okay. Cause that's all the leverage that you need. You could one or two spot, a two V two, you switch out two players with two lower owned players. You're good. Right. That's all the, le- it's the same strategy, same exact strategy, but obviously in large field GPP, you're much more focused on leverage because you have to beat so many more players. So there's no, there's no difference. The only the, the major strategic difference that you have to consider is that in small in small field single entry GPPs, the chalk tends to be chalkier for the for very good reason because everyone knows you don't need enough you don't need as much leverage. So like in, that's why I, I take a look I show you the difference like this this is the five fifty five this alley oop. It's a smaller field tournament, but that's why like Joe Val is more owned. Then in the N one is more like that. They're, they're, the chalk is chalkier. So if you're looking for leverage, it's easier to find in single entry GPPs because the chalk tends to be chalkier. So if like if Rogier, because Graham is out, is going to be chalky today. Let's say Rogier in the in the main GPP on DraftKings, the big field one. Let's say he ends up thirty eight percent off. In a small single entry GPP, he could end up fifty percent off. So you know that if you wanted to fade Rogier, you're getting more leverage 
fading Rogier in a single-entry GPP than you are in the large-field GPP. So if you decide to play single-entry GPP and fade Rogier, that's all you need. Like, once you fade him at 50% ownership, you're done. Play the best plays. Like, you can literally just X him out and then just play, and you have enough leverage because you faded, essentially, the chalkiest guy on the, the whole slate. Uh, assuming that he's the chalkiest guy in the whole play. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he's out too. Who knows? We don't know. Load management. I have no idea. So so that's all the size of the GPP depends on how much leverage you need in the lineup. That's it. Smaller, less leverage. Higher, more leverage. That's it. Nothing else changes. One entry, three max, 150 max, 20 minutes. None of that matters. Okay. Cork Mouse is about to go off tonight. Mark my words. Okay. I guess so. Well, everyone from Philadelphia is out. Can you predict that situation? It could be Corkmas. It could be Burks, right? I mean, who, who knows? Shake Milton. What is his price like? What are we doing with Shake Milton? 6,300. Oh, geez. Are people playing 6,300 for Jake Milton today? Is that happening? Is that going to happen today? I wouldn't do it. I'd, I'd rather play, I'd rather play Corkman's at that point. All right. I'd rather play Alec Burks. But I guess, I guess you could play Shake Milton. It's against the Lakers. I think I'm more inclined to play, play, like if you're playing Sixers, I would play like AD or something. AD, LeBron. I would hope AD plays something like that. And then we got that, we got the big game. Right, 247 total. Pelicans, Timberwolves. Can you believe that? 247 is the total. So th- those are good targets, right? The Pels are in a good spot. Think you can play, think you can play players from that game. But people did that yesterday, right? With the Grizzlies and the Hawks, and that game blew out. So get screwed. So just don't, it, just because it's a high total doesn't, oh, got to jam in all the players. Yeah, you better hope the game's close. Right, and then you got the yeah, the bench guys go off. Etwan Moore has fifty fantasy points because he plays the entire you know fourth quarter and puts up seventeen shots. It could happen. Okay, on your lineup HQ, eight and projection and smash percentage is different. Any idea why? Well, maybe because I didn't reload it. You can take a look. There are timestamps up here. So here, like eleven fifty one. Yeah, okay. So the 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 Aiton the Aiton uh projection just went down. I thought it was high to begin with. So what Aiton went down. Aiton. Yeah, that makes more that uh let's see. Yeah, that makes more sense. 43. Yeah, that yeah. That's what I thought before. Right? I I looked at some other places and I'm like Aiton is projected a little a bit high, right? So that's why I, I we have if you take a look, I don't know if it's on my I don't know if I don't know if Devin has it cut out so you could see it. But where it says projections, it'll sh- show, you know, the updates for the ownership and updates for the projections. So always when you're looking at lineup HQ, you're like, oh, 11.51 a.m. Eastern. You know, ownership was updated, you know, yet and it is, it's not even here, right? So that's what you do. So, yeah, so, if, uh, yeah, that's, that's the main reason. I didn't refresh my browser. So there you go. Make sure you refresh your browser on lineup HQ. Walsh just asked, which site do you have more success on, FanDuel or DraftKings? Well, by default, it'll be DraftKings because I play like 99% of my volume on DraftKings. So by default, it's DraftKings. I probably could do well on FanDuel. It's just I'm only one person, and 
to play to multi to Mac the multi entry on two sites. I I haven't gotten that down where I'm willing to put that much money into doing it. So I will play like a single entry type of lineup on FanDuel, most slates, but I don't focus on FanDuel. I'll focus on DraftKings. And it's not because I'm better on DraftKings or better on FanDuel. Just I just happen to play more on DraftKings, primarily because of soccer. FanDuel soccer product sucks, and I play a lot of soccer on DraftKings, so I play a lot more on DraftKings. Okay. Get you get you any last questions coming in because we're 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 heading uh, into the end of the hour, the end of the end of the end of the day. I mean, what what can we talk about on today's slate, right? Divide, uh, uh, Graham is out, right? So we got some Hornets value guys that you could use. Uh, the the Sixers guys are out, so you could use those cheaper guys, right? We got obviously the Spurs. What's going on there? We got the big total with the Pelicans Wolves. We got Tatum out now, so that's going to change some stuff. And we got anything else that happens. I mean, it's 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 eleven fifty-five a.m. Eastern, three hours from now, and maybe half the stuff that I just said doesn't matter anymore. Okay, what's Aiton and Lowry's percentage showing right now? Right now, if if it's updated at eleven fifty-one, it should show, it should show the same thing, right? Aiden's now at 26% smash, right? Because his projection was like 10 points too high. Uh, that's what I thought. At least that's uh, uh, just from common sense. I'm like, I don't, I don't see why he should have that high of a projection. I'm not saying he's a bad play. I'm just, I just he shouldn't be a 6.4 X median at 8,400. There's, there's nothing that, that shows that he, that he should have been. But that's why the projections get updated throughout the day. That's why we have the premium NBA projections team. You can see right here. You get the projections if you're a premium member. Rotogrinders.com slash premium. Meansy, Tuttle, Notorious, SBK, Jamino. The rest of it, they're working on these projections. They're the best in the industry. I'm not just saying that they are. I track it. They're the best in the industry. So if you want the best projections, NBA projections in the industry, you better sign up for premium. Because you can't just go, oh, maybe people are taking screenshots during the show. I'm not going to pay for premium. I'm just going to take screenshots as, as I scroll up and down. Yeah, these things change throughout the whole day, right? All this can change, right? This goes up, this goes down. These gets up, these get updated a half an hour from now. Minute here, a minute there, a minute everywhere. So you better sign up. Ed Down says, remember me, you tomorrow when Milton goes 7X. Well, I'm not going to be on tomorrow. I'm not going to have to remember you. You think Milton's going for 7-8. You think Milton's going to have 42 fantasy points against the Lakers? I don't think so. What, what's a smash for get, get, get it, Get out of here. Milton. He says a negative RGV at that price. Get out of here. 37? Get No, no. Eh, done. I'm, no. I'm not getting 42 points. Fine. Play him then. See if I care. But I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Tuttle's going to be here tomorrow. Right? Tuttle's, Tuttle's tomorrow. I think Kyle is on Thursday. And then I'll be back on Friday, right? But we'll do the same thing. We'll do this all over again, right? If you, if you like this show, whether it's with me or with Kyle or with Tuttle or with Britt or with Mangone or whoever, hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Share it. Go on Twitter. Say, hey, at me, at Blender HD. Say, oh, the greatest show ever, whatever. Do something like that. Right, let other people know because it's free content. I mean, you're getting this for nothing, right? And this is strategic content, 
not who to play, not locks of the day, picks of the slate, right? Picks of the litter, all those type of stuff, because you never know what's going to happen. But these, one, once, you, once you get the strategy down, you're going to be so much better at DFS. You're going to have a much, much better shot at, at taking down that, that, that 100K, right? Everyone wants to take down the first place, but no one wants to put in the work to do it. Well, this is the work that you do to put it in. And that's what we go over every morning on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.